Welcome to Planting Freedom. This is the place where you'll get to journey with a small group of people from Northport, Alabama. This group is a part of a team that is working together towards a common goal. Now, while our ultimate goal may be the same, we're all very different. We have different personalities, different jobs, and we're all at different stages in our lives. But here, you'll get to hear some of our hopes and dreams, some of our fears, some of our triumphs, but most importantly, you'll get to hear our hearts. My hope and prayer is that through this podcast, you'll be able to journey with us as we seek God's direction in pursuing our ultimate goal together. What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome back to Planting Freedom. I'm glad that you've joined us again. You've decided to listen in to another episode. Um, So what you've heard so far is uh, I told you my story about moving to Las Vegas. I I walked through the apprenticeship that I am doing at Hope Church in Las Vegas. I told you my story of how I became uh, a church planner, how I got to this point sort of my testimony. You heard from Lindsay Thomas. You heard her story and and how God has shaped and molded her life to get her to this point. And then you heard from Josh and Lauren Easter, two other members with their two children of our plant team. You heard from them about how God has called them and what their journey has looked like so far. And then last time on the last episode, we talked with John Jenkins, the sending pastor at my church, Northport Baptist Church, and just got his take on church planting and what that looks like to John. And so today uh, I've got Lindsay Thomas with me. Lindsay, are you still with me? I'm here. Got Lindsay with me and we are just going to have a discussion. We're just going to talk a little bit about something that is a serious problem, a serious problem, not for myself and Lindsay as church planters, as a part of this team moving necessarily, but more so an issue with the church, with followers of Jesus, with with disciples of Christ, uh, there seems to be this issue where something is, something's broken, something is messed up. And so I want to start by just giving you a few statistics. Um, Lindsay and I, we, we sat through um, a conference where they talked about, uh, where they talked about this, and they talked about the importance of fixing the issue that exists in the American church. And so I'm going to start with some stats and then Lindsay and I'll just sort of talk through this and at least give you our opinion and take it for what it's worth. It's just what we think. Um, but it's also it's also biblical and, and we'll get there too. But some of it is just what we think, what we think would work. And so we'll, we'll walk through that. But, but here's the reality. Within the next seven years, 55,000 churches in the United States will close their doors. And the number that attend church on the weekends will go down from 17% to 14%. 80% of churches are shrinking or stagnant. They're either getting smaller or they've plateaued. They're not growing bigger or smaller. Only 20% of churches are growing. And of that 20%, only 1% of those are growing by reaching lost people. So in other words, here's another one, 95% of the growth in churches in the United States is simply the reshuffling of existing believers. It's someone going from one church to another and just maybe moving across town or or whatever. 90% of evangelicals 
this one hurts. 90% mm-hmm. of evangelicals, 90% of Jesus followers have never shared their faith. 90%. So clearly the American church isn't reaching people with the gospel. Disciples are not being made in the U.S. So what's the problem? I mean, what, what is the issue? What is wrong with the church? What is wrong with the followers of Jesus in today's culture? I don't, I don't know. Lindsay, what do you think? What's the problem? Well, I think one of the issues that a lot of us face are we're just doing our life inside of the church walls. Um, we're not really um, reaching out to engage our communities, to engage um, our cities, the school systems around us. Um, a lot of the things that we do are just sort of inward focused um, or they are focused outside of our particular communities. So the people who see us day in and day out, they just don't get to see us looking different. They don't get to see us looking like Jesus to them um, because we're just so focused on doing things outside of where we are um, rather than right where we are. So, so what do you mean by that outside of where we are rather than where we are? So really just, um, I mean, in the church culture, you know, you go on a mission trip, uh, you go to a different state, you go to a different country, um, and you do things there that a lot of people would never do here. Um, They interact and they spend a week and they come back and they report great how great of a time they had and how they were blessed and how the people there, how they saw them worship and um just life change that they saw through sharing the gospel in a different area of the world. But you come back here and they go to work on Monday morning and they never share Jesus with their coworkers. Um, they never share Jesus with people who are sitting in a classroom beside them. Um, it's almost like their job was a mission trip and now they're back and they're just on vacation in a way. It's more like I want to be fed and yes, those things are great and we need those things and we need to, you know, meet together and worship and, and study. Um, and all of those things are great, but it's, this isn't an either or it's a both and situation. And I think that so many times we just get caught up in doing the things that we've always done And we just sometimes forget to look around us and say, what does my community really need? What are these people that see XYZ Church every single day? What do they see us doing to meet a real need because we love Jesus and therefore Mm -hmm. we love them? So it's kind of like the question of, of what would happen if your local church and your community did not exist tomorrow, would the community miss it? Would the community even realize that it was gone? Exactly. Uh, Biblically, so let's look at it biblically, how to address and and hopefully fix the issue of the American church of not living our lives on mission every single day, wherever you may live, um, rather than just doing it on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever you meet. So this is what happens in Luke chapter 4. Luke 4, verses 42, 43, and 44. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. 
But Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus, we find him here in Luke, and he's got these crowds of people that are that are looking for him. They're searching for him, and then they find him, and they try to keep him from going away so that they could be with him. They just wanted to be near him. They, they, they wanted to be uh, in the same area, in the same vicinity as Jesus, and so they try to keep him from going away. But verse 43 says that Jesus didn't stick around because he had to go. Jesus had to go away to other places to preach the gospel. Jesus had to leave at this time from the crowds. But in Luke, we don't find out exactly where he went. Now, in the book of Mark, this account of the story tells us where Jesus went. And Mark, verse 135, tells us where Jesus went when he left those crowds that were looking for him. It says this, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Jesus himself goes to a secluded place to spend time with the Father. Jesus could have done anything he wanted to do in his power with those people. He could have stood around and met every one of their needs. Uh, he, he, could have, he could have done anything that they asked of him, and it, and it wouldn't have been impossible for him because of the power that he had. But what Jesus realized was this. Ministry is not more important than my intimacy with the Father. So in other words, my time with God is much more important than the ministry that He's entrusted to me. So the first thing we see is that God's primary call on Jesus's life, which is who we're to be like. So God's primary call on our lives is not ministry, it's intimacy with Him. And we tend to get all wrapped up in, in the doing and the serving and everything else that Lindsay was just talking about. The things that we do because that's what we do in the South or that's what we do wherever you're from. We do it because it's what we do. It's what we're supposed to do. And maybe it's all we've ever known. Um, but we forget about the part where there's to be this ongoing, intimate relationship with God the Father. So I, I don't know, Lindsay, do you think a lack of intimacy with God is a part of the issue? I do. I mean, I think that ultimately, if you have that intimate relationship, you're going to be tuned in to everything around you. Um, and you're going to see with his eyes, see with his heart. Um, and so the day to day, your day to day is going to look different. Um, it's not going to look so much like a to-do list as it looks like divine appointments that he's put in your path and that's where you're going. So if you have that relationship right, if we are close with the Father, then we will see with his eyes, we will see with his heart, and we'll have compassion on people you know, right where they are. And we won't see things. We won't see our life as a to-do list. We'll see it as a list of divine appointments. Um, And those are ways that if we have the relationship with God, first and foremost, and that's what's driving us, then it's not going to drive us in the wrong direction. Um, And then those relationships are going to come and we're going to see the needs that he wants us to see. Um, And then people who are lost, people who are hurting, they're going to see us as well because we're going to be put into each other's paths. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and it, it's easy to, 
at least for me, to look at that scripture and say, well, that's what Jesus did. And I get mm-hmm. that being a follower of Jesus is um, is me becoming more like Christ. I want to be Christ-like even more so every day of my life. But when I look at the scripture and, and Jesus and he goes and spends time with the Father, it's easy sometimes to talk yourself into thinking, well, that's what Jesus did, right? But look at, and, and, and not that you, you can look, maybe you have your Bible out. Um, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to read you what happens in Mark chapter three, when Jesus calls the disciples, those that he wanted, those that he chose, he calls him and listen to what happens in Mark chapter three, verses 13 and 14. He went up on the mountain and he summoned those whom he himself wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. And then he could send them out to preach. Notice what happens here. Notice that Jesus calls the disciples to himself first, and they came to him. He appointed them so that they could and would be with him, so that they could then be sent out to preach. There was no preaching or ministry or serving or anything before there was intimacy with Jesus Christ. Ministry is what's done out of the overflow of our intimacy with God the Father, our time spent with Christ. John 15, 4 through 5, says this way, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Ministry is what's done out of the overflow of intimacy with God the Father. And because of that, I think that's where we mess it up. We mess it up because we do it backwards. We tend to think, well, okay, I'm going to spend my time with God. Or, hey, I've got a mission trip coming up uh, in, in a month. And I'm, I've got this, you know, they've assigned this devotion, so I'm going to do it every day to prepare myself to be poured out. Have you ever done that? I've done that before, like before a camp or before mm-hmm. a you know, mission trip. You say, okay, God, fill me up so that I can be poured out. But why should we have to a month out or a week out or whenever say, God, fill me up. I want to spend time with you and immerse myself in who you are. Uh, why is that something we have to wait to do until it's time to go? Until mm-hmm. it's time to make a difference, till it's time to, that should be what we're doing every single day. And out of that, ministry is natural. Ministry just flows. What are your thoughts? Well, and I would agree that we, it should be an overflow, but unfortunately, I mean, I'm included in this. We just get so caught up in our to-do list and in the next thing we have to get done, even with the with the ministry things that we do um, and the service things that we do, we just get so caught up in what we have to do that we just miss it. We just do. Sometimes it's whether we don't make it a priority. I think that's a lot of our, you know, issue. We just say, well, we'll do it, you know. Whenever I get time today, instead of saying, no, this is going to happen. Um, And then I think part of it, too, is some people, you know, have it reversed. They think if they do all the things, they do all the ministry, all of the service, that that's what's going to make them closer to God. Mm. And they forget that it's 
that it's him first and it's their relationship first. And then he works through us um, that way. So it's not the other way around. It's not about what we do. Um, it's about our relationship with him first and then how he's going to work through us, not how we're just going to do it on our own. Yeah, that's good. And I think what, what, what you're saying leads us right into the next thing that, that I was going to, I was going to point out is the fact that churches, uh, many of them are sitting on the corner or, or, you know, sitting there, they're nice buildings, they're, they're nice staffs and there's nothing wrong with that. If God's blessed you with that, but they take that. And from there they say, okay, now let's do ministry. Now we have a church. Now we have a place. So now let's do ministry. Now let's have all these classes. Let's have all these, you know, programs and events and all these things. And let's make disciples this way because now we have a place to host them. And then once we've made these disciples, then we'll get to know the community. Then we'll branch out into the community. And just as a plant team, this is something that we discussed several months back as a plant team. We believe that we're called to do the exact same thing, to plant a church, make disciples and engage the city. We're going to do that exact same thing. However, we're going to do it backwards because the results of that clearly aren't where they should be if we study the health of of the church in America. So what we're going to do as a plant team and what I encourage myself, I challenge myself and each person listening to do this with your life um, because it makes more sense. The first thing we're going to do when we plant our church and plant ourselves in Buckeye, when we move there, is engage the city. We immediately want to begin with building relationships and understanding the needs of the city, understanding what makes Buckeye tick, understanding what makes the people that live there move there, build relationships and understand the city. And through that, The next step is to make disciples, make those disciples from those people we've met as we've been engaging in the city and building community. And then after that's happened, so we've engaged the city, we've made disciples because we've gotten out, we've met people, we've built relationships, and now it's time to plant a church. And it's not going to be tough because our church will simply be the facility that houses the ministry that's been taking place since the day we started engaging the city and then making disciples. Planning the church is not the goal. Planning the church is what happens when you have a group of people that are meeting together, wanting to become more and more like Jesus. Then you have a church. It's not about Mm -hmm. a building. It's not about anything else. It's about the kingdom of God. And so this is the conclusion that we've come to, that God's primary call on my life, God's primary call on Lindsay's life, God's primary call on all of your lives is not to a church. It's to a city. God has you where you are for a reason. God has you living, whether it be in Alabama or Georgia or North Carolina or Oregon, wherever it may be, God has you in your city for a reason. God didn't call you to a church. He called you to a people. The mission statement for our church plant is this. We exist so people can know Jesus and make him known. Notice that our mission statement is not we exist so people can know Jesus through our church and make him known through our church, because it has nothing to do with us. At the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, at all times, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. 
the Great Commission, what God has called his, his people, his followers to do is the mission, and the mission has a church. So, Lindsay, what do you think? What would it look like if we all understood what it meant for our ministry? I'm not just talking about pastors or people on staff at a church. I'm talking about everyone that is a follower of Jesus Christ. What would it look like if we all began to understand what it means for our ministry to simply be an overflow of our intimacy with the Father? What would that look like? Well, I think that's a a little bit of a loaded question. (laughs) It is. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think that, you know, part of it is also understanding what your giftings are um, that the Lord has placed you in. And it's identifying those is identifying, you know, the talents and the passions that he's given each of us because he's given us all something different Um, and simply using those things. And if you don't know what they are, then that's where you start. Um, You start in your quiet, quiet time or your loud time or whatever time you uh, spend with the father asking him, you know, what am I good at? What would you have me, you know, do whether it's crocheting or baking a cake or cutting someone's grass or you know there's an endless amount of things that we all love to do um i mean i have a i have a friend who cuts my grass every few weeks um well in the summer in alabama every few days it seems like um yeah. but also my neighbor's uh, grass, uh, a woman who just hasn't had time and just like me, and it takes him about 10 extra minutes to cut her grass as well. And, and he enjoys it. He enjoys the time that he gets to spend doing it. And it's nothing fancy. Um, it's just something that when he was going about his daily life and talking with the father, that's a, that's a simple thing that he's done. And now he gets to go to her when she has come to him multiple times and asked, you know, can I pay you? Can I do something for you? And he gets to say, I just did this because I love Jesus and he loves you. You know, mm. like that, that's such an easy, easy way. And all of it is just, engaging the area around him um, in a way that meets a real need um, and is not just inside of the church walls um, sitting and talking about doing something. It's actually getting out and doing that. And then it's almost like a big cycle. You know, if you get the intimacy with the Father right, then you'll see a need, you'll meet the need, and then that will in turn bless you and make that relationship even stronger. So then you'll keep going back to build that relationship with the Father even closer. Because at least in my life, whenever you get to experience Him working through you, you are always chasing that. You always want to go back to that and see Him use you over and over and over again because it's it's exhilarating um, or it's just one of those things that when you, when it's happening in your life, you know, this is exactly what I was created for. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's I'm doing the right thing at the right time for the right purpose. But here's the thing about everything that you just said. None of it had anything to do with the local church. No. The local church didn't tell your friend to cut your grass or your neighbor's grass. That's something that he just felt conviction of in his heart. Um, Because I know who he is, and I know that he spends time with the Father. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that that relationship exists with him and God. He didn't hear at his church, hey, some of you need to go out and cut your friend's grass this weekend. No, 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 no. It was simply him spending time with the Father and being intimate with him. And because of that, he and many others that you and I both know have seen where that lifestyle then of blessing others and living your life on mission every single day becomes habitual. Mm -hmm. It becomes who you are. It's not, it no longer becomes, uh, you know, I've got to go to the church because they're having this event. I've got to set up and I don't have time or, you know, hey, they've got, they they need VBS volunteers and I I hate that. I don't like dealing with all the kids, but I've got to go do it or, or there's this mission trip and they really need me to go because, you know, I have this skill or whatever. Rather than it being a pain in your tail all the time, it becomes the joy of your life. Mm-hmm. Because you I get know, to. Yeah. Rather than I to have this. to. <laughs> and my Abba Father, it pleases him when I do. And I know this because I spend time with him. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're you're listening and you're like, what the heck, man? What are y'all doing? You're you're all over the place. You go from telling us your stories to all of a sudden now we're going to have a Bible study. But I think it's something important for us to grasp. Is it something that's been important for me to grasp? And I'm not there yet. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. a work in progress, but it's Amen. something that as I come on, praise you. We all are works in progress. <laughs> exactly. we're, we're all at different stages, but but when you begin to get when you begin to understand it, when you taste and see how good he is in that intimacy, nothing will ever be sweeter than that. Nothing else. And so as we close, here's my prayer for you is that you would say, you know what? I realize now that God's primary call on my life is not all the things that I can do for him. It's not all the ministries and places where I can plug in. That's not God's primary call in my life. God created you and me in his image, and he desires an intimate relationship with you. So that's my that's my biggest prayer for you, for each and every one of you listening, is that it would not it would become about intimacy rather than ministry for you in your life. And secondly, my prayer for you is that you would just be brave and bold and courageous and just try it. Just try it and see. Just try intimacy with the Father every morning. Try it's 15 minutes of your day, 30 minutes of your day. If it's 10 minutes of your day, I want you to find the time to say, I'm going to I'm going to be intimate with God Almighty right now, this morning or this evening or whatever it may be. But God's primary call in your life is intimacy with him. And I don't want to miss that. And I don't want you to miss that. So, Lindsay, thanks so much for joining and for tagging along yeah. and, and talking through this. I know this is something that's um you know, heavy for you, not heavy, but something that's important for you. You and I have talked mm-hmm. about this before and, and what the church should look like and what we should look like as believers. So thanks for joining and for, for talking through this. And uh, any any last thoughts that you have? No. Go forth All and right. be bold. <laughs> Come on. Amen. Hey, look, thanks for joining us. Thanks for 
for tagging along today as, as we've looked at some scripture. And just I hope uh, that, that the world looks different because of each and every person listening. I know that God has called you to be wherever you are right now for a specific purpose. Coincidences don't exist. It's all divine appointments from God. And so I, I hope and pray that you are going to change the world because of Christ in you. We love you guys. Appreciate you listening. God bless you. And we'll talk soon.